You're flying with Pod Squadron Podcast. All wings report in. Pod Pirate standing by. Pod Tracer standing by. Pod Dameron standing by. <laughs> All ships to attack formation. Mission objectives to talk about the Star Wars experience from the movies, TV shows, animation, comics, books, themed experiences, merchandise, and your art and all of your other inspiration from the galaxy far, far away. Today's flight plan includes Star Wars, The Clone Wars, episodes two, uh, season two, episodes 12 through 14, and season three, five, and six. Our special guests for tonight, uh, cre- uh, one of the contributors for, uh, I can't talk today, <laughs> EndorExpress.net, David Yeh. And for all of you out there, all comm channels open. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Find us on YouTube. Like and subscribe and hit the bell icon so you can know when we have have new content um first of all uh, i'll be your squad leader for today i'm mandy Lowe, aka chinese pirate director storyteller puppeteer performer and fight choreographer on my wing is tracy hi i'm tracy also known as hot nerd girl uh, uh blogger and uh, nerdy girl and uh, occasional semi cosplayer for <laughs> charity when there's not a pandemic and on I'm my other wing, nail that. I'm gonna nail it. And on my other wing is Lexi. Hey guys, my name's Lexi. I'm a. Oh man, Tracy, you messed me up so bad. <laughs> it's <laughs> all okay. downhill. No, from no, there. no, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> that's how I roll. <laughs> I was, I was. No, but it's not the way you think it is. I was like, man, I thought she was gonna say chicken farmer. <laughs> I, I thought you were throwing that's that true. in there, and that's what. That's all that threw me off. It wasn't anything oh, else. Like, I, I take full ch- responsibility for my own stutter, but girl, yes. you gotta lead with chicken farm. Chicken farmer and brand new puppy mama. And puppy mama. Yes. Right. Okay. Yes. You have to introduce <laughs> me to the puppy after I introduce myself. All right. Hi, guys. Uh, my name is Lexi. I am an art department gremlin, uh, death doula in training, a circus artist. And uh, you guys can find me at Feral Geek Aesthetic on Instagram. And we are just one squad in the fleet. We're part of the Geekish Network. That's twitch.tv backslash Geekish Network. And don't forget our auxiliary support ships from Digital Click Marketing as we build and expand. As foils to attack position, we're going in. Okay, I got to take it off because uh, it's, it's, it's fogging up and it makes it harder to read. <laughs> it's just because you're so hot, Andy. Yeah, well. Well, you know. No wonder, no wonder yes. those guys are always getting shot down. They can't see for shit. Their visors are fogging up. Uh, hey, everyone! Welcome to the show tonight. We've got a, a pretty fun show planned. Um, but first, uh, what's the haps? What's new with everyone? Let's start with you, Lexi. What's new? Wow. I was hoping you wouldn't come to me first. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're wearing the Yoda ears. I just, so. I, yeah, no, I know. Sorry. I know. I just, I know. Uh, when we were talking earlier, I was like, oh yeah, I'm going through like the part of the death duel training where we're talking about like all the really fun things like hospice and the top 10 causes of death in the United States, you know, um, all important I would, stuff. Can, can we talk about, can we really like the thing I really want to talk about is the puppy. So yeah, so let's let's meet our, our little ba- our, our our baby Yodaling or, or youngling here, youngling oh, okay. pup. 
the little the, the little baby dire wolf this yes. is um this is millie uh she's named after an astronaut and scientist that i very much admire who mm-hmm. uh who flew up on the space shuttle in 1991 and uh she actually the the real the, the millie she's named after she died on my birthday this past year oh. so it was kind of kismet my my mom always wanted a scientist in the family and i could not provide that to her <laughs> and so we're we have high hopes for millie that she's going to be some kind of neurobiologist or something <laughs> well uh is she thoroughly modern she's thoroughly modern mm-hmm. yes she is everyone she's modern. she's actually crazy smart so you might hear her in the background. We're we're working on potty training right now. So, <laughs> so there, like there, there might be issues. Like she's what two three months? She's old? three months old. Three yeah, months she old. was yeah. a she's her her mom was a was a stray homeless dog in Mexico in in Baja, and uh, her mom is definitely some kind of shepherd shepherd mix. We don't know what her dad is. No idea. Um, she's the only one of the puppies who does not look like the mom. So at some point I might get her DNA tested. We'll see. I think she looks like she's got a little husky in her, but that's to be determined. And yeah, so this is, this is, this is Millie. And yes, a little, little cutie surprise. She is a little cute. I was not planning on getting a puppy. I was going to get an adult dog and... Of course, I ended up with a. That's what and I then did. This happened. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but sometimes you end up with a puppy. I know. And sometimes they choose you. It's like she the did. wand. She did. The wand the, chooses the wizard. She um the big a big uh, pitbull went by and her sister was barking like crazy at her and she just sort of went and like walked over and crawled into my lap and I was like, well, there we go. <laughs> yeah. See, she chose. <laughs> so. All right. Well, shall we get into the show today? Oh, sure. But wait, somebody's asking if this is a tiki cup. And yes, it is. It's a Chewbacca tiki cup. And since Paul's going to ask me, this is Angry Orchard unfiltered. There you go. I'm sure there 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 will be uh, if there's other tiki questions. Uh, our our special guest is actually that's actually a pretty good um uh, uh, segue here. Our next guest <laughs> is actually David Ye, who uh, works uh, works with EndorExpress.net. He is uh, uh, a fan of all things theme parks uh, and Disney. Also, he is an avid uh, uh, tiki mug collector um, and creator. Actually, uh, so please welcome David Ye. Hey everyone! Yay! Thanks for <laughs> having me. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Thanks for, for having me. On. Yeah. So let's just start out talking about um, the site uh, Endor Express. Tell us, like, where, uh, how did it get started, and what, what, uh, what's, what's it all about? Well, if, as you know, the original Star Tours that opened in 1987 was the Endor Express. You are boarding the Express ship to Endor, and it's right here behind me. Let, let me do the, <laughs> an Endor Express for ants. And um, that basically that kind of that word, that phrase kind of coined the website. And it was started by this gentleman named Chris Vandesand. And he's uh, he lives in Belgium, but he just became such a fan of the ride through Disneyland Paris and how I got involved. It, he was just making this little website that was a tribute to the original ride. And he was just he was just a kid and just loved the ride so much. He wanted to make a little website, a fan site for it. And one time I was at a Star Wars celebration in Los Angeles. 
I took pictures of somebody's model of the, like the Star Tours queue. And they had a little homemade people mover with Star Wars figures inside. And it was amazing. I took pictures of it. He basically reached out online and said, hey, can I use your, your pictures? And I said, yeah. And then he said, are you an annual pass holder? I said, yeah. So then one thing led to another. Can you, do you want to provide pictures for my site from time to time? And I was sure. And then I told him after a while, I was just like, you know, you need some content. <laughs> you, need, <laughs> you need some uh, like interviews or something. And then I reached out to the composer of Star Tours. His name is Richard Bellis. And he came up with the five note chime that you hear oh, yeah. when when there's an announcement or the Star Tours announcements. And I, re- I found out he was a faculty member at USC and I emailed him and just said, hey, um, can I interview you? And he said, yeah. <laughs> so that was my first little thing on their website. And that kind of got us into the four-way, foray of writing about the, more about the parks. And it got us you know, involved with um, uh, more announcements and more releases. And then at the time, there was no real future of Star Tours. It was this, this very stagnant thing. But 2011, they kind of opened up and uh, had a new one, of course. So, you know, that was, that was basically it. Now, and you also do photos and some uh, stuff for some other uh, uh, Disney and like uh, Disney focused um, and theme park focused uh, sites as well, right? Yeah, I, I sometimes I contribute to micechat.com. And, uh, and so they, they use my photos from time to time. Great. So how did you get involved in just kind of your interest in theme parks and, uh, and, you know, well, Star Wars and Star Tours uh, yourself? I mean, it's, it's kind of like who, you know, what guy my age doesn't love Star Wars. And so like, I'm, I'm sort of representing like old oh, school. Very good. Very good. It's like the old film, the, the classic the, Lucas, the film. old Lucasfilm limited intro to the original movie before they had a, a fancy logo. And um, so, I mean, I was, I grew up Southern California, went to Disneyland all the time. And that's kind of, you just, that was like the marriage of everything. Everyone loved was Disneyland plus star Wars. And I mean, the, that's it. That's, that's kind of how anyone gets into it really. But then, being nerdier than most people, you know, you start to really like fantasize about it or obsess over it, try to collect things from it and so on and so forth. So I was kind of tailor-made for the website too. <laughs> <laughs> so then would have all of your, um, I mean, you, if you've interacted with quite a few um, ex-imagineers or current imagineers or other people kind of in the in this industry, is that all through um, your work with uh, uh, Ender Express or... In, in a way, yes, because we would get involved with uh, uh, there was, you know, there was one of the PR reps for Imagineering was actually kind of a fan of our website. And so we we, we started emailing back and forth like, hey, can I get an interview with uh, Tom Fitzgerald, for example, he, who was one of the writers of the original Star Tours and the new Star Tours as well. And Tony Baxter, of course. Right. And of course, when the Captain EO came back, there was remember it was. Captain EO was actually the first George Lucas involved thing that Disney put out before Star Tours. But um, that was like a collaboration that was built from putting Star Tours together. And so that had a re- like it, that one came back after Michael Jackson passed away. And so we were able to interview 
um, Tony Baxter for that and kind of segue into star tours a little bit too. And, and it just kept on going. So we, we were invited back to other random openings that had nothing to do with <laughs> star Wars either. So, um, but yeah, we kind of, and Michael Chiacchino was the composer of the new one. So we got a hold of him somehow. And I love him. Yeah. And so it's just kind of one of these things that the people, one of these gifts that keeps on giving is that I'm meeting these people that I admire and love their work, but it's, you know, it's, there's like, you know, it's just, it's for people to learn more, but it's also really selfishly for myself. I really want to just, <laughs> just do it, you know? Well, that said, let's kind of get into uh, the main topic. Um, we're, we're, you know, the, the, the it's, it's, um, it's a really interesting thing to me. Uh, also being a theme park nerd that I am, and we are both are, uh, uh, but looking at just kind of the history of theme park design and attraction design, right? And um, how a Star Wars, uh, some Star Wars or Lucasfilm project seems to be like the herald of each wave of, of innovation in the industry. Um, so let's talk, you know, you mentioned uh, Captain EO, uh, like, do you know, like, kind of the story of how that that whole project came about? I mean, that was. Um, I mean, Michael Eisner was the head of the Walt Disney Company at the time with Frank G. Wells, and he he was kind of a mover and shaker at the time. He gets a lot of uh, he gets knocked down a lot from the recent, more recent years. But in the very beginning, he was very innovative, very uh, bold in his decision making. Um, Eisner I mean, gets knocked down. Like yeah, towards the end of the, his career, yes, you really? know there was the whole Save Disney campaign where he was kind of ruining everything, and it was after Frank G. Wells passed away or died on you know oh, on his expedition. Somehow trip. I missed all that. I don't know. Yeah, I mean California Adventure in the very beginning was all him, and that wasn't a, a huge success until recently. Yeah, so I do there remember was a, that. Yeah, and there was a lot of strings of like Disneyland accidents at the time of cutting down maintenance, you know, budgets and mm-hmm. it, you know, Disneyland Paris wasn't exactly a hit. Hong Kong Disneyland was, wasn't a huge hit either because they just scaled down everything. So, I mean, that's a whole other podcast probably <laughs> that you want to get into, but to answer your question. Um, so Captain EO was something because Star Tours was like, it took, it was something that was going to take a long time. And so there was another project that just kind of got greenlit as a 3d movie and Michael Jackson was involved and uh, Francis, Francis, Ford Francis Ford Coppola directed, yeah. who directed uh, The Godfather. The and Borg. Was... The Borg were in it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They had whips. It was the dominatrix Borg. And... <laughs> they even had a Borg queen that like floated down yeah. on like tubes and stuff. And her, you know, her, her claws. But that was like the most expensive movie per per second at the time and just like 22 minutes but it was kind of an insane when it when it opened it was probably the most amazing thing we've ever, we've ever seen of- yeah i mean it's uh i remember it like it was using kind of that at that time like po- polarized uh 3d was still a brand new technology and it only been used a couple of times in films it was also using a lot of um um like uh, physical or, or um, practical effects in the theater too, right? They were using yeah. lasers. They were using smoke effects to all kind of augment the uh, right. the 3D. And there was a lot of Polar- green screen. Polarized 3D, the not red and blue. Yeah, correct. Okay. It's the 
it's where you have striations. One striation is going uh, vertical, uh, vertical. The other striations are going horizontal. Yeah. And if for the, your younger listeners that you could find the whole video on YouTube. So just look <laughs> up Captain EO and, and watch it because, and it's very eighties, it, but it's like, it's basically a 22 minute music video. And, but if but you've seen it many times, but you want to pretend like you're in the younger generation, then yeah, exactly. Then you could you could do that. We won't we won't judge. Thank you. You know, I mean, I mean, Captain EO really was. I mean, it was amazing at that time. Michael Jackson was like the biggest star in the world. Mm-hmm. You had Francis Ford Coppola directing. You had uh, George Lucas and all of uh, the ILM team, uh, uh, you know, producing and developing all the visual effects. Um, they were, you know, using everything that they had learned on Star Wars to do, like, you know, all the model making, all of the, um, uh, I mean, it was, it, it really was kind of at the time, a, a spectacular piece of work it working was. with the Imagineers. It really was. And it was bigger than widescreen because they had at the Tomorrowland Magic Eye Theater, they had the stars fill in the area around the screen. So it was like, it was even more than a 3d movie. It was, it was really, really cool. But then star tours opened a year later and that wasn't the end of the whole George Lucas kind of relationship. They had a, a alien encounter in, in Florida. Was he, were they on alien encounter too? He, he's one of the producers and he was no touted. I don't think he had as much to do with it, but he, you know, they touted his name. Uh, I don't with, remember a ride called Alien Encounter, but I I would have only been to Epcot at that point. Oh, it was in the Magic Kingdom in Tomorrowland. Alien and as in Ripley Alien? No, it was, oh. I mean, that was the original plan, I think, was something yeah, they, that, it was they couldn't that get scary, <laughs> which is ironic because Disney owns Alien now, but it was a very scary experience. It was the Terror Estriel, the, the, uh, and it was just... <laughs> I mean, you know, but as it was, a pun lover, I love that. <laughs> yeah, it, but it wasn't a ride. It was a, they called it an emotional or like uh, I don't know a, a roller coaster that you feel. I forget the exact terminology they coined. Like a you visceral, know. visceral. Yeah, it was. You sat in a seat and they had a chair. The they had these little bars that rest on your shoulders, so it felt like the alien was like like standing or pushing on you. And there was slobber effects or oh, people. <laughs> the 4D stuff, I remember. Yeah. yeah. And then like, they tried to make that a really big thing. And it like. Yeah. And he had, the, the alien would basically be beamed. They were testing this new technology of beaming the alien into this tube in front of you. And it was really cool how they did it. But then it would get loose, of course. And <laughs> he would kill people. And the, the blood of the people would fall on you. Wait, wasn't and, there kind of a Terminator ride like that at Universal? Yeah, there was. T2, okay. 3D. Okay. Yeah, but then, I know but, they, they did one at Star Trek: The Experience too with the Borg and yeah, in well, in, in Vegas. Trek, yeah, there was a Star Trek one I think at Universal for a while they, yeah. where they took kids as volunteers. Yeah, you would, re, you would film the or, whole or thing. Or teenage Asian boys. I think Andy was. Were you that. were you on it? I wanted to be on it was. so bad. I, I used like, my whole allowance for like for the gift <laughs> shop there. I was so excited and I wanted to be on there so bad and they didn't pick me. Yeah, there's a there's a VHS <laughs> tape with me with a Klingon forehead somewhere. So <laughs> you better find that, Andy. We need to show that. Oh wait, they're on here on another show. It's it's okay, so it's so bad, but it's hilarious. I need to see it even if it's on another like I need to see that. Yeah. <laughs> wait, were you there, David? Have you guys known each other for that long? No, I, no. I didn't know Andy. Oh, that. okay. You've just seen the video? 
I saw I well I've seen a video of someone else's that not, not on of YouTube. me. Oh, yeah, okay. but it's it's such bad acting, but it's also <laughs> hilarious. It just it's really funny. Because it was there, kind it was kind of like the behind the scenes uh, show at Universal where they show how you know how Foley. I, I was raised by a Foley artist, so you know they show like a very rudimentary way of doing Foley. And I remember mm-hmm. they would they showed how they did the. Um, the beaming effect with a uh, glitter in water. And then they showed that on reading rainbow too. And I was like, <laughs> they show that on reading rainbow. Yeah. Actually, you know, reading so, rainbow, good memories. So, so going <laughs> back to um, the alien encounter though, I, I think what that, the, the, the big thing with that, and that might've been, it might've been Skywalker sound had developed the, uh, the stereo system. Cause it was that every Probably. individual, um, person in a seat had their own kind of stereo like yeah. three or four speakers set up right uh, uh you know essentially the same kind of speakers as they have in space mountain now so that you have a personalized experience right. and they can make sound or creatures travel because right. of sound but do a side tangent do you remember when they had headphones for abraham lincoln and they had a part where they're cutting your hair Right. That was terrifying. That was so weird. I don't remember that at all, and I'm really glad <laughs> I, I don't. Wait, Maybe it was I, before my time. Yeah. At Disneyland? Yeah. No, it, Disneyland. it actually wasn't that long ago. Uh, it was it was a, just short-lived. They, they remastered the sound, and it was like this whole thing. I remember I had a friend who was like, for sure that he could um, pirate the, a, a recording because uh, all he had to, to do was hack into their, um, their broadcast system. I don't think it worked, though. Wait, it's, so um, uh, the robot was giving people haircuts? No, that's no. uh yeah, no, not the Abraham Lincoln robot. Um oh. this is the, the alien robot. <laughs> oh, wait, how did I get those wire, wires crossed? I, I don't know, but I did it too. My brain did the exact same thing. Like I heard the same thing. <laughs> I went, what? <laughs> no, we, I, I totally went on a tangent, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> because he was Andy was talking about sound, right? And then so I in Alien Encounter. And I said, Tangent, do you remember when they had you had to have headphones for Abraham Lincoln and they were cutting your hair? And it, you'd hear the snips and it felt like you were getting your hair cut. Oh, yeah. oh my God. That well, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot more sense. <laughs> yeah. But hey, I think we have an idea for something else with of an alien like, giving you a haircut. If somebody cuts my hair in Disneyland, I will kill them. Well, there, <laughs> there's a barber at the Magic Kingdom. Like an official one. I don't still? know. Still, I don't know if they're still there. Wow. I bet on Main Street somewhere. Yeah, that's where it was. I know. I did. I did all all the parks in one day. Whoa. Uh, oh my god! So I there was a lot I what? didn't see. Oh, okay. So you just went. You just park hopped each one. We park hopped each one, guided by my friend Justin. I was on tour at the time for. Uh, car tours and my friend Justin who was my co uh, like my co-producer he he was a Disneyland expert and he, he would take us around to all the different parks Disney, in one day Disney World ex- Disney World yeah sorry yeah he's from Michigan so he goes to Disney World in fact I showed I introduced him to Disneyland anyway but he um we wanted to save a whole day for drinking around Epcot so we did the, all the other f- parks in one day actually Got we did it. all five other five parks four there's four. Okay, we did all I mean, four could, one day. I mean, you could count the the water parks if you want to, but <laughs> oh, we did not. We did not. <laughs> David's like no. <laughs> um, but let's come back to Star Tours a little bit, right? So we started to talk about immersive design, right? Um, um, can you just talk about like just how Star Tours started to revolutionize, uh, uh, uh you know, 
the, uh, the uh, park design, attraction design, everything, honestly. I mean, it's it, it changed a lot of things. I mean, A, it was the first motion simulator to be used in a theme park setting. And this is like the stuff they would actually use for like training pilots and stuff like that. And to utilize this technology as a ride format was something entirely new. But of course, after Star Tours, you saw every park kind of take that and right. milk it to death, right? Even yeah, Disney like- milked it with Body Wars <laughs> and that just at Epcot. And that was kind of a disgusting ride. <laughs> they shrink you down and you go into your somebody's body and it's you're in the bloodstream. So it would shake you like you're in water. So they rip, off that, they rip off that episode of, of Magic School Bus <laughs> Some, or, <laughs> and turn it into like they, a whole ride. There was rip- a there was a whole movie. Yeah, uh, it's a Martin Short movie, right? Uh, with Martin Short and is it Kurt Russell? I don't remember. I thought there was one way back in the day. But yeah, but you were you were sent into the body to battle like a uh, a splinter. A splinter, right? Yeah. Inner space. Adventure yeah. through inner space. You were a microscope. You went through a micro, a mighty microscope, and you were checking out snowflakes. Well, that was a, another attraction that was in the space where Star Tours yes. took over. But there's also Inner Space, which is the movie with Martin Short and I think Kurt Russell. Oh, and okay. I think Meg Ryan even was in that too. There's also like journey, not journey to the center of the earth, but journey to the something, something. <laughs> and, then, and then, and then there's that well, episode of Rick and Morty that like, <laughs> yes. yes. Journey to the center of the earth is a Tokyo attraction at Tokyo Disney Sea, which is awesome. I would way. never know that. Right. Is that the steam? That's the steampunk park, right? Or, yes. uh, Jules Verne, Jules Verne style. Yeah. Kind of a, it's, it's, it's a land. These so pictures. Cool. <laughs> You got it. You, you you have an idea. Fantastic Voyage. Thank you, Kevin. Yeah. Fantastic Voyage is the old, old, old one. Um, the, so uh, the other thing with Star Tours, too, right, is like that that was kind of one of the first like major immersive cues. Right. right. You, I mean, I mean, that just blew me away when you walked in, you saw the, the full scale of this. And as fans of Star Wars, you saw R2-D2 and C-3PO in person. And that was just, and that's the actual, like the C-3PO and like dipped in gold. And that's the original R2-D2 that they used from the movies in, in there. Um, if you look inside the Kenny Baker signed it and all that. No way. Um, I didn't know that. It's just, and, and yeah, you had animatronics in line. That's usually something they save for when you're in the ride. So it was just one of those, it was the greatest pre-show in the world. Um, well, the and it was, it was totally, I mean, it was truly a story, right? It's like, it was yeah. getting, it was, it was casting you as space tourists mm-hmm. in, in a, in an airport, in a space airport, more or less. Yeah. Right? yeah. If you were, if you were like eagle-eyed, if you even like looked up, you'd actually see a couple of um, calamarians. Uh, Calamari. Like, uh, 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 Mon Calamari. Uh, Mon Calamari in, in the uh, control <laughs> tower up above yeah, too. Yeah, there was mm-hmm. like two or, two or three of them in there, and, they, and now there's only two. But um, they moved the third one into the outer queue from the past, but I don't know where that is now right. um, because it's gone. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it, was, it was really just mind-blowing for the queue. And it's the same queue as uh, Adventure Through Inner Space, Um the microscope ride, right? Except they just extended it further in, and then because the, the motion simulators only take up so much space, so they could actually have more more queue 
and then just the little boxes for the ride. But uh, no, it's it's really amazing. And and from since that point on, you would have these rides that have queues that are well, actually, you know, Spl- Splash Mountain was next and that that queue wasn't you know that special but Indiana Jones Adventure in 95 Roger Rabbit's Cartoon Spin was an amazing queue um well yeah, okay I, so let's give some honorable honorable mention to Indiana Jones which is not a Star Wars ride but it's another uh Lucasfilm collaboration right mm-hmm. um um we've we've talked about a number of things about that Star Tours kind of pioneered um the motion base which of course we get applied for to indiana jones the 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 idea of an immersive cue that sets up an act one for the story of the ride which is will also get used for indiana jones um star tours uh what other things can can we talk about for for indiana jones indiana jones i mean it's it took basically star tours and put it on wheels and you're moving around on a motion simulator base through real space and that was the new thing at the time and the to also be the biggest ride that they have ever built at the time was something else and just the technology of that boulder rolling at you was was insane (laughs) but i mean it it is sad that a lot of people won't see won't see it the way it was when it grand opened because the remember they had the three gateways that actually changed now you're oh, always going yeah. through the center door and they, they change the rooms anyway, but now you'll never know which they don't why, have the joy. Why did they change that? I remember the first time I wrote it. Yeah. Was... Uh, it's It kept on breaking down, I think. And it, it just became one of those, it, it cost too first? much money to, to maintain. Yeah. Did somebody look in the eye? <laughs> All the time. <laughs> you tell them not to, but they still do. That's my second favorite ride after Star Tour, um, sorry, Space Mountain. Yeah, those are my no, two it's, favorite it's, rides in the world. It's so great. Yeah, love that you know, ride. You know, actually, okay, let's let's backtrack a little bit. One other thing that we forgot to mention, right? But of course, you talk about um, Indiana Jones and how they evolved the technology and added the projection. But Star Tours was also the first ride that uh, employed a ride film, more or less, right? Um, I mean, that, that was a ride. Anyway, that was a ride on yeah onboard ride projector system. Yeah. I think so. But and of it, course that would get applied. Right. And it's funny because it, we got to a point where people would start complaining about screen based attractions, but not only when it became 3d, not when it was like star tours. Right. <laughs> a lot of people can't do 3d. Yeah. Star Tours, Star, Star, Star Tours is the ride where the pilot says bye 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 bye. Oh, the yeah, that's the right? Ali Ali Sansan. The she's played by Allison Janney. So I there I had a, a number of years between Disneyland visits uh, as a teenager, whatever, and I would always say bye 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 bye, and I had no <laughs> idea where it was coming from, and it would drive me nuts. I would lose sleep trying to figure out where I got this from, and then I finally went back to Disneyland one day, and of course I made a beeline to Star Tours, and when they said that, and I went, ha. I never would have thought that it was Star Tours. Are, are you sure it wasn't the genie in Aladdin? 
No, no, it was definitely it was definitely the star tour. But was the genie in Aladdin referencing that? Because that was '90s, so it could very well. Have <laughs> yeah, been because a you know, remember he was to... like, you know, get when he was asking everyone to get off the carpet. Yeah, and... yeah, 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 bye, yeah, bye, yeah, yeah, bye, yeah. Mm-hmm. But Keep arms and legs inside the cart. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that. yeah. <laughs> um, but that's but that's that is a '90s, so it could very well be a reference to. Yeah, because the Disney's new, always the, big the on new, self-referential. Right. The new Star You have Wars, me questioning myself. Yeah. Well, when <laughs> I'm we gonna were, sleep tonight we're over not going to ask you when you were a teenager, but um, the new Star <laughs> Tours didn't happen until 2011. So. Yeah, I was so young. <laughs> I was like 11 years old when that happened. <laughs> <laughs> oh, i'm not gonna God. continue down you guys people born in the year 2000 can drink now this weirds oh, me God. out that's very <laughs> weird to me when you put it that way geez shrek is about to turn 20 oh wow <laughs> that was i wait i was in oh, i'm not gonna say it i'm not gonna say it i'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say where i was when shrek came out Nope. You were watching Monsters Inc. is what you were doing. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's, uh, so let's, coming back to to this. Um, so okay. So uh, of course, then Disney um, purchases Lucasfilm, and immediately work starts beginning on all of these new projects. Of course, the Gauntlet is now thrown down by Harry Potter. Uh, you have a couple of more. You know, they start playing with. Um, um, kind of more uh, interactive, uh, uh, personalized experiences with the cruise ships, um, uh, like the um, what is it, the the Millennium Falcon uh, ex- experience? Right. Well, uh, well, you you kind of skipped over the new Star Tours where they had the, the the branching technology of you start with one ride and it could go either one or two ways, and then you had the next act that could go three ways, and then you can then 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 you had the hologram that was you had one or three different ones or now it's like, you know, there's several to choose from. And then the final act was several different planets to choose from there. And then it all kind of ends their own way. Um, and now they've activated after the sequels came out, they would add more films and then they turned on the Easter egg function, which is Easter egg function. What's that? Yes. Which is where the, all the, the, the films that you saw in 2011 star tours, had a few a few variations to them. So sometimes you saw if you went to Naboo, you'd see um, Jar Jar swim by. the The Easter egg function is that you'd like hit him with your star speeder, <laughs> or you know, there's there's variations like variations that. on the, yeah, the films where something different might happen that you didn't see before. But um, yeah, okay. but then then going on to okay. Tracy, yes. An, an acquaintance, an acquaintance of mine was the lips for the Princess Leia on Star Tours. Oh, no only, way. But only the lips. Oh, wow. That's checked, funny. All of her body parts were from different people. Whoever had the most similar body parts to her. Oh, really? Wow. That's interesting. That's also and kind it, of. I think the, the, the actress, <laughs> I think the actress that voiced her was Julie Dolan, if I'm not mistaken. Hmm. Um, I think she was the voice of Leia in Rebels as well. Hmm. Um, I'll have to double check that. But. It's a pretty good sound alike, actually. Mm. Um, here's a little bit of uh, trivia. So, so Lexi, I'll throw this at you. Do you know why the droids in the uh, in the beginning of the queue are called G2 droids? Oh, wow. No, I don't know. 
But I really love to learn. <laughs> uh, Tracy, you have a guess? G2. The, the droids at the beginning are called G2 droids. Which droids? It's been are you long enough about? since I've been so, there. Like, I'm not picturing them even. So, so uh, as you go through the queue, the, that, the area that used to be the droid repair bay is now like a whole security check. Mm-hmm post 9-11 security check right um um and they have two droids that talk to you one of them like, is voiced by patrick warburton and it, they scan you and your l- you luggage where where the guy used to be who would say like hey he would like talk to the people in the yeah. line and then they mm-hmm. moved him somewhere else and now they're oh okay and there's a yes there's a suitcase uh right. scanning yeah. thing yeah okay. they move them, though. They, they're still there they're they stayed the same yeah, the okay. one that's got the little Wally-ish eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so those okay. are the G two droids. So G2 uh, droids. So uh, uh, David, you want to tell the story behind the G two droids? I mean, sure. Uh, there is the G stands for goose, and they were basically geese from America Sings, stripped naked. <laughs> are you <laughs> and, serious? And, and modified. Funny. Yeah. So America Sings, that's for those who don't know, is really? an attraction in Tomorrowland that took you through the history <laughs> of American song with animatronic animals. And uh, basically it was it didn't it took you through like jazz and rock and country, everything except for rap. That's when I mean they closed before <laughs> rap was a thing. But uh, <laughs> it was know. the 70s. It, it came yeah. out in like 77 or 75. Yeah, or and it was very patriotic and like, hey, you know, all hail America music and all that kind of stuff. But with like an eagle and bears and geese and pigs, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. It was really neat and it closed. And they were trying to like, what do we do with all these animatronics? Well, two of the geese went to Star Tours and the other ones went to Splash Mountain. So yep. all those other animals in Splash Mountain are from America Sings. Uh, yeah, but the but those two were basically yeah they they ripped off the the feathers and just added the the binocular eyes and basically they're like it already looks like a droid yeah perfect and the, the the first one is voiced by Tom Fitzgerald one of the Imagineers who oh I didn't know that co co wrote the the show and the other one is like you said Patrick Warburton who is the Kronk. tick he's the tick he's Kronk and he's the Soren <laughs> intro guy. He's in um he's in um uh the Will Smith uh, aliens um uh Man in Black. He's got the best voice. Yeah. <laughs> Patrick. I, I I I I want to have he's he's one of the people that I want to have on like a list just reading me bedtime stories. <laughs> if, uh, on a tangent, if you haven't seen his uh he did a funnier die where he was uh, announced like, doing the safety spiel for the longest roller coaster ever. Um, you got to look that up. It's uh, it's really funny. Ah, <laughs> like so, a roller coaster that never ends. So uh, we we're probably going to have to start wrapping up because we're almost at the end of our time and have to move on to the next section. But before we do, so we've talked about like how uh, all of these different innovations, um, the full 360 immersion, the uh, the casting the guest as the main protagonist of the ride, the the everything goes horribly wrong trope. And how does that bring us to where we are now with Galaxy's Edge? Um, OK, I don't know if we really didn't talk about too much of that, but yeah, it was one of the first con- first times that the you went on a ride and basically oh this is going to be great but wait hold on something goes wrong and that becomes a reoccurring storyline in a lot of attractions coming like in the years to come for for galaxy's edge you know you have the millennium falcon smugglers run where you you, you, at at that point you know something's gonna go wrong but 
it, it does, it's not told in that story in right. that way. You just kind of go on a mission and you just try to come back. And, but the, um, and well, then okay. I only wrote it once and I was so focused on trying to not crash us. That, oh, that was my earpiece. Um, I was so focused <laughs> on not trying to crash us that I don't remember it hardly at all. It's <laughs> all right. Um, well, so, so a couple of things, right? First of all, that, you know, with Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run, you literally are, you much, much like original Star Tours, you walk through a repair bay and then they load you into the, the, the Millennium Falcon. So this is another, like the way the, the immersive queue has evolved now, right? To the point where you are sitting there at, at the chessboard and all that. Yeah. Yeah. And the, it's really kind of really cool how they've done it. And they, there was, I mean, they thought of so many different ways of how do you, the trick was you have one Millennium Falcon, right? You don't have five. So how do you give every guest this experience of being in the only Millennium Falcon that it flies? And they had to have these rotating cockpits so that they would be on a, like a wheel and not to, not to spoil it too much, but like you would lead to different bays to the same, to a different cockpit basically. And you would load at different times and it would all just spin around and you would have like your own little dome of a uh, motion simulator. So it was like a lot of tiny mini star tours on a platform that spins around and then you nice. just look, you just load and then you unload and it, it's really neat. Cool. Yeah. So you mean we came full circle almost. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And, and for rise of the resistance, they actually used uh, an old star tours motion simulator to test the, the Wait, motion. I haven't seen that one yet. Oh, <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't ruin it. You just, they use star tours to test what you see in rise of the resistance. Right. So it's kind of like using old technology for new technology. Is that I, kind of the Transformers ride at Universal too? Is it the same idea? No, because Transformers is on a track and Rise of the Resistance is on a trackless vehicle. Okay. Sorry, Lexi, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, that's okay. I was... Good question. So there's... <laughs> no, I was literally just saying that I haven't been to... I haven't haven't even been to Disneyland since Galaxy's Edge opened. Uh, I was like, oh, I'll wait till like after the crowd died down. Then COVID hit, and I was like, well, I guess I'm like, <laughs> guess I'm waiting a while. It's sad because the crowds weren't there when it opened, so you could have just went. Yeah. Well, I was, I was, I don't remember what it was that I was out of town for, but I was like out of town when it opened, and then, then I was like, oh, I'll you know, I'll go at some point, and then like, yeah, no, then COVID. I, yeah. was, I was just broke. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, everyone thought there would be so many people that everyone just kind of stayed away. But also, you didn't have the main ride open yet. So there's there's a lot of people like, well, if I'm going to spend this much money, I'm going to wait until it's complete. And then two months after it was complete, it just everything shut down. Those, yeah, that was kind of kind of where I was at, where I was like too broke to to go without being like, well, I might as well wait for the ride, and then you know, and then. So what did we all learn from this? You just even if you're broke, you just go because you don't know. <laughs> well, I, I mean, the only reason why I was able to go was with help. <laughs> but before that, it was like the only things that were open were the things that cost like two hundred dollars to do, like the lightsaber and the mm -hmm. droid making things. So it was like well, whatever. Yeah. But it, correct me if I'm wrong, David. But somebody told me that the reason why Rise of the Resistance was so delayed was because they installed the track in backwards. Um, maybe I don't want to, um, uh, 
I don't that's think I want to. That's that's not exactly true. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> I don't. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of things that I that that happened, and I'm not. I don't want to lead anyone astray with um, of that something that could be false. I, I'm. I haven't oh. heard for sure. Okay. Um, this is the only a, dirt I care about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, we, we do have to wrap up. We have come up to the end of this segment. And unfortunately, there's a lot of stuff we haven't gotten to, right? I mean, we've talked about a lot of the kind of the establishment of uh, kind of how Star Wars has set up a lot of things. We didn't really get to dig really deep into uh, Galaxy's Edge or the newest thing that's going to be opened, uh, I believe, next year is the... the um, the Galactic Star Cruiser experience, which yeah. so maybe maybe at some point um, you can come back and we can kind of dig deeper into uh, some of these. Sure. Topics. Yeah, because um, I love talking about Galaxy's Edge um, just because of the the whole idea of how 360 immersion and storytelling, you know, uh, kind of expanded beyond you know, even beyond the ride, even beyond the queue, but into the merchandise and the environment and the entire land. Um, that's all stuff that is really exciting to me. And yeah. I hope we come back to that. Of course. Um, I'm more than happy to do it. Right on. Uh, but that said, we let's move on. Uh, and we'll come back to those topics another day. Um, right now, Let's uh, thank uh, Denabola24. Hopefully, I'm saying that right. Uh, thank you for subscribe for the sub. And um, also, uh, if you are not aware, uh, this is, of course, the, uh, the the Geekish Network. This is a new network. And to celebrate that network uh, and to honor the podcast that started it all, we are giving away a PC, courtesy of our good friend of the network, Jeremy Germ33. Uh, you can find him his uh, his uh, stuff on instagram and twitch at at germy germ 33 uh it's a custom workstation or gaming pcs that don't break the bank unless you want it to you set the budget he'll work around it premium parts with your personal flair serving the greater los angeles community for 20 years of uh, with 20 years of experience if you're in the market for a pc hit up at germy germ 33 on instagram and twitch uh we have a link which will go into the uh chat um, if uh, Tracy or one of you guys can go ahead and do that and uh, yeah, go ahead and, and uh, enter for that, uh, enter that for that drawing. Um, the link will be in our, what? what, what am I putting in the, I had hiccups. I was saying you're right. Hiccups. What am I putting in the chat? The, 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 the link for the, for the drawing. The PC. Drawing. Oh, I think somebody put it in. Oh, okay. Is great. It the TGN giveaway. I, yeah. I believe yes. so. Okay. Stream, stream elements. Okay. Great. Awesome. And let's move on to our second segment of the night. We're uh, talking about the Clone Wars. Uh, this is our Essential Mandalorian uh, watch list. We're talking about episodes season two, uh, episodes 12 through 14. And uh, to a lesser degree, just because they're not great episodes, uh, season three, episode five and six. Uh, this is the Duchess of Mandalore arc. Diplomacy or deception? The Council of Neutral Systems speaks for over 1,500 worlds who want to stay out of the war. But rumors have reached the Republic Senate, suggesting that the Council's new leader, Duchess Satine of Mandalore, is secretly building her own army to fight the Separatist cause. Now, Jedi Master Obi-Wan Kenobi has been sent to Mandalore to discover the truth behind these claims. Reuniting him with Duchess Satine Kreese, for whom he had served as a bodyguard many years ago prior as a Padawan, 
Master Kenobi will see his role as general in the army of the Republic challenged by pacifist Sisatine, bringing him face to face with a new threat, the mysterious organization known as Death Watch. Bum, bum, bum. All right. Uh, overview. What do you guys think of these uh, the, uh, these episodes? You know, I, I don't know much about animation, but I'd imagine it's really hard to make to create like sexual and romantic tension <laughs> digital characters. But like, damn, they nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it helps that, you know, Obi-Wan is like the ultimate stoic, you know, show no emotion guy. Right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Before I did a lot of therapy, I thought he was a lot hotter. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 now I'm like looking at Obi Wan and looking at my dad, and I'm like, oh, oh. you know, I'm like, oh no, what have I done? You know, and, I, and, and, um, and that's why I'm very glad I went to therapy. <laughs> Is that why I always pick guys that are the complete opposite of my dad? Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a <laughs> daddy issue too. I feel like this got weird. Well, because I did, I also do. I mean, no, not not really. Look, Star Wars. We've already established Star Wars is basically like daddy daddy issues the saga. Um, oh, that's true. That's true. So, Darth uh, Vader yeah, is, no, is then, dark and father. The couple, and then and then once I once I figured that out when I was like twenty three, then I did the same thing and I dated some guys who were like the complete opposite. Then I like went for the Anakin type and like that was all bad too. Like we all know where that goes. Um, yeah. Yeah, this but you really didn't get you didn't die giving birth to twins, so that's the I important. I didn't die thing. giving birth to twins, so I think you, I you didn't die of a broken oh. heart. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. aka postpartum depression. Right, <laughs> depression got bad, mate. That's um, some spontaneous postpartum depression. <laughs> Jeez, spontaneous postpartum depression. <laughs> Um, so let's talk about uh, the, the first step of the episode in this arc. So we, when we first meet um, uh, Duchess Satine, what are your thoughts on her? So it's really interesting coming off of, you know, the last couple of seasons of watching uh, The Mandalorian to come back and then review other sides of Mandalorian politics and culture uh, through Clone Wars. Um, especially after this last season, getting introduced to Bo-Katan, who is mm -hmm. Satine's sister. Uh, so very, very interesting to uh, get to rewatch something that I hadn't watched in a couple of years and see just a, a completely different reaction to the trauma of war, uh, which is Satine's pacifism, which doesn't, you know, the, the knee-jerk polar opposite reaction doesn't always go well as like we kind of see for her arc. Yeah, actually, something I, I discovered this this rewatch, actually, uh, I, I had not noticed before in, in the third episode in the arc that um, they talk a little bit about um, the time that Obi-Wan and she had spent together when he was a Padawan. Mm -hmm. And uh, they talk about that there were insurgents that were trying to kill her then when she was, you know, a young teenager or whatever like that. And um, that her 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 distaste for war kind of rooted from a, that a civil war that was happening during that time which is just kind of a fascinating thing of yeah talking about this kind of knee-jerk extremist pacifist um stance that she's kind of taken it just seems to go completely against like the every cell in their 
being though to be that pacifist mm-hmm. right like like mm-hmm. like at, at some point it's gonna bubble over and especially as a mandalorian <laughs> yeah yeah it's like trying to fit a square peg into a round hole it's just not gonna work in the long term and david you're still here with us right yeah do you have any thoughts you want to I mean, are you remembering these episodes yeah, I, I'm more kind of jealous that they're seeing it with a different set of lens than we did when we were watching these when they were coming out. Because, I mean, there were so many characters that were introduced in these these older Clone Wars shows. And when you watch them like back to back to back to back to back, it, it just kind of runs. You, it's like <laughs> you kind of get numb sometimes. So you don't pick up on everything that you're watching because you're, there's just too much information, yeah. too many characters, too many scenarios. Like but I like, missed this arc the first time it came out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, so watching it after, like after seeing Mandalorian, you're, you're picking up on things that we missed the first time and it's, you're enjoying it in a very different way. And I'm kind of jealous of that. So I'm well, probably I mean, going to, I'll probably go back and revisit. (laughs) That's one of the reasons I did revisit it because I, uh, I I don't know if I've I've told this mini story, but my uh, like love affair with Clone Wars started when it was first coming out. And I I was uh, watching it with a friend of mine from college. uh, And at the time we were, we were housemates. And so we would sit on the couch and and PJs and watch, watch uh, Clone Wars and he had a very jealous girlfriend at the time. And she came over. Well, at one point, we're literally sitting like full, like full on pajamas, baggy T-shirts, <laughs> like sitting there like, like, pew, pew, like shit going off. And she's like, went and like had a talk with him about like, are you cheating on me? And we're just like, are you kidding? So like, yeah, Clone Wars, apparently that hot and heavy shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh you should tell her it's the clone wars not the bone wars <laughs> oh. so you know like it just that was kind of like my sit and shoot the shit and binge with friends thing so when when we were like oh we're gonna rewatch this arc i was like i don't remember it at all like <laughs> I, I i don't remember that much at all I like remember snippets, so it was nice to go back, uh, like almost fresh and. Well, so important things to Mandalorian, right? We are also introduced to Governor Pre Visla of the on the moon of Concordia. Uh, uh, what do you guys think of him? He 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 reads very classic Disney villain the way they've done yeah. him almost, uh, which is very interesting. <laughs> To me, where he uh, has that like very sorry, like very polite, uh, too polite, where he's like so polite that you're like, you're up to you're something with him. You're up. (laughs) Does he? I can't remember. Does he have a British accent? Has he? He doesn't quite have a British accent. But do you know who the voice actor is? No, I don't. The voice act. Do you know, uh, David? You know. I know. I'm gonna let them answer. I don't know. (laughs) I will fully admit that I don't know. I got ditched at Comic-Con by Andy for some rando that walked by that he knew and I didn't. (laughs) I digress. I don't know. We were on our way to the dragon thing. I was trying to race to get Mama Jedi there. And all of a sudden you took off because you found some guy from something with a beard and 
And I was like, I have to get mom to this. She can only go to preview night. And then he went to do beard club things. Oh, yeah, no. It was, it, no. Yeah, Andy was, was like, squirrel. <laughs> I was like, no, why, you Andy? We're leaving was? you behind. That's when I met Tony Baxter. So I had to go. That's, that's Tony yeah, we walked by Tony Baxter. Anyway. But, okay, anyways. So the voice actor for Pre Vizsla <laughs> is John Favreau. So John Favreau was working on on the Skywalker soundstage, just mixing uh, Iron Man at around the same time that um, um, Dave Filoni was working on this show, and they started talking. And you know, John Favreau, of course, is a huge Star Wars fan, and they became friends. And then Dave Filoni's like, "Hey, want to be a Mandalorian?" That's actually very cute. (laughs) Yeah. So of course, like (laughs) what we're watching here is him becoming Previsla, the the leader and the leader of Death Watch, is essentially the you know the point of genesis for the Mandalorian show. But we know that he's gonna be like like there's nothing about him that's like oh yeah that's a good guy I I think that's a good guy like he you can tell from the get go that he's a bad guy right. Yeah, he's a bad guy, and of course we've already seen the uh, the one episode, the one uh, Death Watch episode, uh, where Death Watch takes over the small Asian town, right? <laughs> and, uh, let's just say it, it's they totally take over an Asian town and like steal the women. It's kind of bizarre. <laughs> that is bizarre, but boy, there's a lot to unpack. Show. There, there's yeah. a lot to unpack. <laughs> a lot to. We should unpack that on a future show. But uh, of course, yeah. So Deathwatch becomes a a very important figure. Uh, I just also want to call out the 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 quote that began, or the you know every Clone Wars episode begins with a quote. It's uh, this quote was, "If you ignore the past, you jeopardize the future." Right, which is probably talking about uh, Duchess Satine. That's Andy living by a fire station. Yes, don't mind me. <laughs> um yeah uh okay let's talk a little bit about um uh uh obi-wan and uh and 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 satine here if we move on to the next episode of voyage voyage of temptation <laughs> oh yeah that's right oh i had i had the breakdown for that episode just because i i tend to like mix them all up in my head and then i guess that was the one i deleted well, somebody say something because I don't know. Okay, my notes well, so that's the one where like they have all these inside jokes, right? Like he's like, I guess you haven't changed in all right. that, right? And well, that there, was like a super sexist thing that he said too. I was really oh yeah. Off. He uh, uh no no that's the next one I think is you're, you're thinking of this is oh. this is the one where they're on the ship heading back to to Coruscant and it's uh Anakin starts picking up on the on the on the fireworks going off between them. Was that part of our assignment? Yeah, this is, this is the second, the second uh, episode in the arc. I may have been potty training a puppy at that point. <laughs> I don't remember that part. Okay. So, so I, I thought it was a real opportunity missed, and it kind of feeds to your whole um, analysis, Andy of like, you know, breakdowns in communication and like toxic masculinity and how that affects it. Uh, You know, even in like the good guys where Obi-Wan kind of had a great opportunity to really connect with Anakin on like the subject of forming connections outside of the order 
forming attachments and he has the opportunity to like really be vulnerable about it. And I think to, because he doesn't know how to do that effectively. He, you can see him like he gets like upset. It's funny, you know, at moments <laughs> like where he just gets really flustered. Like, we're not going to talk about this. I'm just going to pretend it's not fucking happening. Yeah. We're just not <laughs> I do gonna, remember I, this I, part. I, I remember. Annika, okay, I you can see it. Yeah. And there's like no, this no, one I, thing where he goes, okay, right. You go check on your girlfriend. And then he's, he's not, she's like, not, he's my, not girlfriend. my girlfriend. <laughs> she's not, fuck it. Walks off. You know what I mean? But <laughs> Like highly trained Jedi has to take a moment to be like, she's not my girlfriend. Like clearly like unresolved <laughs> shit there, you know? That's like every guy I date. She's not my girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the, the quote that this uh, episode begins with fear, not for the future. Weep, not for the past. What past do you think uh, they're referring to? The, the Man Mandalorian past of war. I mean, I, I was going to say, I mean, it's more direct to um, to Obi-Wan and, and Satine, right? I mean, it, it, say, it's interesting say, say how... Say the quote again. Say it again. Fear not for the future, weep not for the past. And uh, I just find it interesting how so much of this episode, of course, like you have the A story, which is, of course, there are evil robots that are trying to assassinate um, Satine and her court. Uh, but your B story is... Um, you know, Obi-Wan and Satine constantly fighting over her pacifist stance to the point that, you know, they uh, it's driving them both crazy. And when when it comes down to it and they're both fighting side by side, she she has to make her uh, her her confession that uh, she always loved him and and Obi-Wan follows suit. Oh, and then and is then that thing up? If I remember correctly, that's the moment when like a couple minutes later, Anakin steps in and like lightsaber someone through the chest. Uh, right. Okay. Let's talk about that moment. That's that's, that's a fantastic moment, right? It's a okay. Very good moment. So so the, s setting it up, um, we have the the evil uh, senator uh, yet again. Uh, someone has has betrayed um, Duchess Satine, Senator Merrick. Uh, basically has her by the throat with a blaster to her head and uh, he's about to escape in the separatist pod and uh, he says neither of you will shoot me because you're a pacifist and you can't bring yourself to be a hypocrite and Obi-Wan you won't kill me because if you kill me then you'll lose the respect of you know your only one true love so who of you is going to brand yourself a cold-blooded killer and what happens, Lexi? Anakin's lightsaber just comes right up through his chest. And I don't remember exactly what line is, but it's some very casual, like, sup? Oh, it's great. Cool. What? What? He was going to blow up the ship. Yeah, he's like, yeah, yeah. So he says, what? He was going to blow up. Yeah, it was just like very pragmatic. Because I'm like, well, I mean, obviously someone had to do it. Mary. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a great moment. All, all, all the Anakin Obi Wan moments are hysterical. But, um, but it is. It is an interesting thing kind of watching. Obi-Wan who really truly has kind of feels truly like solidly bonded to his Jedi oath, uh, but ultimately cannot deal with his emotions. Right. Yeah. And, and it's, it's interesting to me um, to just think about, you know, coulda, woulda, shoulda, but if Obi-Wan had been equipped to be open with mm -hmm. Anakin about, you know, like I'm very committed to the Jedi order, 
but even though I'm committed, you know, like if he'd been open about that whole, everything he was going through. Yeah. Instead of just stonewalling him out. Uh, and, you know, a lot of other instances like that, where you see later with, with the Soka, where he's got, where he's got opportunities to, to be vulnerable. And because he's a war veteran, he does not know how to be. He just isn't. Uh, and that kind of feeds into Anakin later, not knowing, not having any example for how to handle that. I do think that Anakin did try to impart that and break that cycle with Ahsoka, though, because she did. Mm-hmm. He did try to warn her against falling in love with the what's his face, the guy. Right. He, um, I was gonna say, yeah, he tried, but he wasn't equipped himself either because he'd never right. seen. And so, like, you kind of, you kind of He's see. Just sort why. of like, trust me. I'm not gonna tell you why, but <laughs> trust me. Which, interestingly enough, is a different version of the same thing Obi Wan did. Right. I mean, to a certain degree, though, right? I mean, it's it's interesting because you have Obi-Wan who, you know, is stoic, uh, is completely emotionless until it's in his face with 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 Sabine. Right. Like Sabine basically drives him like the whole time until Anakin figures out. he's Sabine? Saying, Sat- uh, Satine, Satine. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> R- wrong Mandalorian. Oh, sh- <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, no, he, I mean, like, like Anakin's just like sensing, like, I'm sensing a lot of anxiety from you, Master. Are you, are you okay? <laughs> He's like, I'm fine, I'm fine, not angry. It's okay. Let's just, yeah. <laughs> See, okay, so Kevin just put it in in better wording than I did. Um, I do think that there's a double entendre going on there as far as the opening line. But Kevin said, I saw it more as the message Satine uh, gives to the people don't fear the future, don't wait for the Oh, oh, stream elements just blocked me out. Oh, 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 wait, don't fear the future. Don't wait for the past. Basically, don't let it don't let fear let us fall back into our old ways. So mm-hmm. he 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 expressed it in a much better way. What I was kind of uh, getting at. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, I think that both of those ways of looking at that quote, I think there's probably I think we could probably go through each of the main supporting characters uh, in this arc and find ways that it applies to all of them as well as like the main plot line. And I I feel like the, the writers are usually pretty good at, um, I feel like especially for Clone Wars with, you know, Dave Filoni being there and, and how intentional a lot of these, those choices are that the quotes are probably picked for their ability to apply to. Right. Like almost everything, if you look at it. Okay, so Paul's asking: Was Obi Wan acting, or was that how he really felt? I think he really felt that well, way. I think that's how he felt. I, I think that's how he felt, right? I mean, it's like I mean, that's been his struggle: is that he is stoic, he is emotionless, he's Jedi to the core. This is the one moment where he he has to be honest. He has to kind of face his feelings, um, um, and and uh, which is you know. But it also shows how he's he's not equipped to console or help Anakin learn how to process his feelings, right? So one thing the Jedi don't treat or don't teach psychology. Yeah. No, no, no emotional resilience, just repression. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, in, in contrast to though, I, I think you are are right, Lexi. Though I, I feel like there is a certain amount of because Anakin embraces his own passions a bit and of course to kind of how he well well, too much uh, right but but i mean he does kind of um give 
uh, uh, Ahsoka leeway. We were just talking, right? we, we did start out talking about having the knee jerk reaction and going in the, doing a complete uh, 180. It's always the yin, the yin and the yang, right? Right. Like you just like having the uncontrolled pendulum swing in the opposite direction. And it feels like a lot of what Anakin does is a direct response to um, like trying to fill the gaps that he experienced. Yeah. Uh, despite the fact that like the culture he's grown up in is telling him that like, this isn't even a gap and like, it doesn't need to be filled and like pretend the gap doesn't exist. Um, 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 we're running a little bit short on time. So I'm just going to cover very quickly the last three episodes because they all kind of have the same theme, which is interesting and uh, will kind of lead us to the next arc that we talk about. But of course we have 214 where, uh, Duchess's, um, authority and control over Mandalore is called in the question. And, uh, there is the, the uh, uh, Palpatine attempts to have the Republic uh, army occupy Mandalore. Um, and of course, Dooku wants that to happen as well so that it will allow uh, Death Watch to come in as a a, a rescuing force or, or to op- oppose the Republic. And then, of course, the uh, uh, season three, episodes five and six, where we discovered that Mandalore's... Um, stance on the war has isolated them so much that it's opened up um opened up the option for black market suppliers to um to to which i'm sorry how do the how do teenagers not know what the word corrupt means (laughs) (laughs) like teenagers that's all they are is corrupt I mean, they're talking about like corruption in government. I, you know, I don't know. But they're it's just a, like giving them the definition. They're like, "What? That's a thing." <laughs> it's not the best written episode. <laughs> that that episode more than any other. I've I noticed like like how freakishly long their legs are because <laughs> there were so many of them like running around without capes and. <laughs> Things, you know, is like, oh my god. <laughs> I mean, I will say though, right? I mean, I mean, it's interesting, you know. Th- though these are not the most uh, well executed episodes, uh, these topics that they're trying to handle for age five through twelve, maybe, uh, in these episodes, are 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 very much issues we are confronting in our times right now, right? Uh, we're talking. I think it's for five year olds. There's a lot of politics and like government speech. What is, I, I, I have no idea what age range is supposed to watch them because I, I don't. I mean, I think that, I think it is honestly, right? I mean, and that's kind of why you know you have a story arc with a bunch of droids going on a mission, and then you have, you know, but it, but it, I mean that I mean that's 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 the thing, right? This this is this is afternoon tele, after school television, right? Everybody's commenting about how much they they switch their clothes and hair, but they have like they have like um ladies' maids and stuff, right? That help them. Handmaidens, but not Handmaidens? everybody. Yeah, well, Satine, that's mostly a hat with a thing with the, yeah. the tubey things on. Like, as soon as she takes the hat off, she's got like like a 80s ice skater 
hairdo. Ladies <laughs> ice skater hairdo. Yeah. Really if you think about um, Padme Amidala in episode two, she didn't have handmaidens anymore, yet she had all yeah. those costume changes in her. But she also has her hair in ponytails and braids a lot more, too. Right. Still a lot of effort. And she looked True. good. Doing Maybe actually, it's uh, uh, just one, a hat, too. One, one, one bit of a trivia. That, so the design of Satine actually is is uh, actually <laughs> taken from unused costume designs for, for, for Padme. Oh, well, that makes sense. Pod me from the pod squadron. <laughs> pod me. Pod me. We, 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 I'm sorry. I did that. I, I messed you up, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they're like those quick change artists that you see on America's Got Talent. Where they change their outfits really fast with like glitter and tubes of fabric. That's a thing. You know? <laughs> Yes, quick change. It's amazing. You should watch it. I mean, I, are you talking about like the kinds of dresses where it's like somebody like turns around and it goes from like a mini skirt to like a ball gown kind of thing? Or, like, yes. Okay. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. It's yeah, yeah. so cool, but they do it like 800 times and it just weirds me out. Where do they well, put the fabric? Breakaway clothes. Yes. But how, do, but sometimes it could, they go from like, like, um, 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 uh, bathing suit type things to ball gowns. And I don't understand how they do that. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> Witchcraft. Um, so yeah. So final thoughts on this arc. Final thoughts on the arc. Uh, really interesting to, like I said, come back, um, and rewatch it from a, a perspective of what it sets up for, upcoming uh mandalorian related arcs um and just kind of really connect some dots as far as a lot of these characters attachment issues and how it creates a major major like you know pangalactic issues like yeah <laughs> um i i also just find it interesting just the establishment of course the dark saber the first time we see that also death watch as an extremist organization that is focused on heritage oh yeah was it oh mm, yeah Wait, mm. was that was the dark saber that was that the first time we see it i i couldn't remember yeah. if that was the first time i thought so okay yeah this this is when uh when, when previsla uh uh, yeah. uh states that you know he's he's the rightful ruler because he holds the dark saber that was right? a great battle scene yeah. That one was very good. Yeah. I think we've been focusing so much on the relationship between Satine and Obi-Wan that we haven't really talked about the relationship between Satine and Padme. And I think that for me, that was the biggest takeaway because they're so supportive mm, of each yeah. other and they work as a team. There's no indication whatsoever of any kind of cattiness. Yeah. And I think that that's a very important to to show in any kind of pop culture or um, or anything because I think a lot of people have that stereotype in mind and it's just not the case. Yeah. The rival, well, the rival stereotype where it's like, Oh, yeah. if you have two attractive female characters or two like romantic female leads, like they're going to find some reason to fight. Yeah. Right. Well also right in, in the context of this, of, of the, the couple of arcs that we've, we've gone over, we see Pat, how Padme is linked to, to Satine and her pacifist movement, how she was linked to, um, um, uh, 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 Senator Bonteri of of um, of uh, uh, Onderon, right? And and her 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 links to try to barter peace with the separatists there too. Like Padme was doing all kinds of stuff, and of course, if, if you know, um, in in uh, episode three, there was a cut 
a storyline where she would ultimately become the founder of the rebellion. Hmm. She's but. a little bit like the Spock of Star Wars in Clone Wars. She's like the ultimate ambassador. She always knows yeah. the right thing to say and and mm. do. And I mean, she is the direct counterbalance to to Anakin, right? And I love how she's like, "I got this." <laughs> she's just like, <laughs> "Hey." <laughs> Uh, well, uh, drop my earbud again with that uh, I think it's time with, that's about the end of our time so uh, let's try, let's wrap it up uh, do we have any squad reports from the chat at all Tracy uh, we have yeah we had a new a new follower um, um, uh, popcorn yeti thank you oh I love that and we have lots of comments that. about girl power and and Padme being a badass every time she goes to the senate absolutely and, Oh, except that, of course, anytime she goes back to the Senate after having these great team ups, she's ultimately persecuted. <laughs> oh, wait. Uh, Mr. Walmart's Wi-Fi has a dating question. Dating question. What is your dating question, Mr. Walmart's Wi-Fi? Uh, as that comes in, uh, I'll thank you to Denabola42 for the sub. Yay. We still don't have a dating question. We still don't have a dating question. Well, uh, so uh, as we're waiting for the dating question, uh, we're just going to give a little reminders for next week, uh, March 20th. We're going to come back to our final uh, High Republic Book Club um, episode where we cover part three of Light of the Jedi. That's chapters 36 through 44. We're going to round up, uh, the, uh, do our full roundup on the novel and how everything comes together and ends there. Uh, and then because I won't, you know, say things. I won't spoil anything for anybody now. I can't. I can't spoil. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then in two weeks, March 27th, we'll come back to the Clone Wars again and we'll uh, continue this uh, rewatch of some of the Mandalorian episodes with uh, season five, episode 14 through 16. This is uh, the return of Maul and his dealings with Death Watch Ooh. and the Mandalorians. Okay. And this is an incredible arc. I, I actually cheated and went ahead and, re and rewatched it early because, um, and, and, and uh, yeah, I'm excited to talk about that one. But also, we want to see all of your Star Wars creations. Do you cosplay, make fan films, build droids, build models, sell stuff on Etsy? Show, oh, show us how your Star, Star Wars has inspired you. And we just might feature you here on the show, just like we featured David here. Uh, thank you for joining us tonight. We're here on the Geekish Network every Saturday night at 8 o'clock p.m. Please follow Geekish Network here on Twitch and subscribe to the channel. If you have Amazon Prime. You can link your account and sub to us using Prime Gaming. Also, check the schedules for all the other great shows on here throughout the week. Uh, this Monday, we'll be back on Pangeekery. What are we watching on Pangeekery this week? Uh, I think we have... Fyodor uh, Chin, who is a, a voice actor on the game Overwatch, also did some voice work for Ghost of Tsushima. Um, and we'll also have some new media. We're also covering the Pacific Rim series on Netflix. Uh, so check us out on Monday for that. Also, thanks to the Flight Tech for Mike and Rodney. Also, Digital Click. They specialize in digital marketing, design, and social media advertising. And you can find them at digitalclick.com. Thank you to indoorexpress.net and and David Ye for joining us for tonight's episode. And we are the Pod Squadron. Please check out our content on podsquadron.com. Like and subscribe on Twitch, YouTube. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. For podcast subscriptions, you can subscribe on iTunes, Podcast.
Spotify, Twitcher, or your favorite podcast app. I am Andy Lowe, uh, the Chinese pirate, at Chinese pirate underscore on all platforms. I'm Tracy, a hot nerd girl on Facebook and hot nerd girl official on Instagram and hot underscore nerd underscore girl on Twitter. And I have to pee! <laughs> and uh, Lexi. Hi, guys. Lexi. Um, I don't know why I said hi again, because we're all done <laughs> wrapping up. It's It's been a day. All right, guys. Find me at Feral Geek Aesthetic on Instagram uh, and Feral Geek uh, on Facebook. Thanks so much. And we're going to be raiding uh, D- uh, Denise Pentoha. So uh, get ready for that. Uh, all wings return to base, course laid in, and prepare to make the jump to light speed on my mark. And remember, the truths we cling to depend on your own point of view. Only the Sith deal in absolutes. Good night, everyone. <laughs> Good night. Millie and I are going to go pee together. <laughs> <laughs> Are we done? Are we out? How about now? Okay. Okay. Oh, okay. Bye.